Well, it's good to have Steve back and the uh, 38 uh, that went to the Dominican Republic. For those of you that weren't here last week, last Friday I got back from Tanzania. And uh, uh, I've already talked a little bit about that trip, but this was an unusual trip for me, uh, the most recent trip to Tanzania. Although it was my 12th trip there, and usually I've gone to similar places and spoken to people that were familiar with me, this was an unusual trip. Uh, Because of a series of circumstances, uh, having taught here in the States and running into a bishop in a different part of Tanzania, I ended up preaching in the cathedral at B. Haramulo, uh, which is in the northwest part of Tanzania, uh, up by uh, Lake Victoria. I'd never been to that part before. And so I preached in the cathedral there. And then I taught in Dar, but I taught a different group of people. I taught uh, leaders and evangelists, some of whom were clergy, and uh, many of whom were lay people, 20 of whom were planting churches. And so it was over 100 people, and probably about 10 had heard me speak before. So it was a very unusual trip. And when you're speaking to new people, and the Bishop of Dar is new as well. I had not met him before. You sometimes wonder about your credibility. I don't know if you're that way. I'm sometimes that way. Particularly in a completely new situation, there's this little guy from America. And you wonder what they think about you and what they're going to hear when you speak. And not only that, because in both cases I'm being translated. How that's going to come, come across to people because you're being translated in those places. And how much the translator understands. And some of your idioms that you're speaking when you're speaking, whether they really catch them. When I was speaking in Dar es Salaam, as a matter of fact, the bishop got so excited about one of the points that I made that he felt the translator wasn't good enough that he jumped up and he started talking. (laughs) And he got real excited about it. It It's very fascinating. And the other fascinating thing is apparently I won some credibility with him because he wanted to have lunch that day with me, then he wanted to have breakfast the next day, then he drove me out to the uh, Valentine Children's Home uh, and spent time with me out there. I mean, it was like... He just latched on to me. And it's really, really fascinating. I often wonder how this middle-class kid from Pittsburgh has any credibility with Africans. It makes no sense to me. Because if they were to just say, well, this guy has this education, or this guy has had this kind of ministry, done these things, or he has a parish in Hilton Head, that means Nothing. It means nothing. Most of them had never been to the United States. When you tell them even that I have been rector here almost 27 years, that almost doesn't translate to them because most of their clergy had never been in their parish for maybe more than four or five years because they moved their clergy around. And when I tell them in my introduction that I have been ordained almost 35 years. That's even rare for them. Because they haven't had many clergy ordained that long. 
And so it's really, really fascinating when you go into that situation wondering what they think in terms of your credibility and what they're going to hear because of that. The bishops introduce you initially in those two settings. But then you're kind of on your own. And what I have felt when I go into settings like this, and I'm absolutely convinced that's why I keep getting invitations back. Because next year I now have an opportunity to do three clergy conferences. I'm going to have to figure that one out. It's much like Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, says, When I came amongst you, I came to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That when I went, my goal was to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lift Jesus up, and to then take the topics that I was given for preaching in the cathedral and then teaching in Dar es Salaam and applying the gospel and scripture to the topics I was given. And that's my credibility. Because outside of that, I have nothing to give them. I mean, yes, I have my experience and I have my background. But a lot of that doesn't translate to over there. And so what I have to bring them, yes, is part of my experience. And there are some aspects of my life and my ministry that translate. Being a husband and being a father and being a grandfather, that translates. Having a ministry with blessings and challenges, that translates. And aspects and principles of being a Christian, someone who walks with Christ, that translates. But then I have to take the person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God and I have to explain to them how this is critical for their lives and their ministries and how this is what they need to take with them. And they latch on to it because that's what they need. They need biblical preaching and teaching because the training over there is not what it is over here. And it's interesting because In many ways, the gospel reading that we have for today, the context is that Jesus is sending out his 12 apostles. And just another chapter later on in the gospel, Luke, he's sending out 70. So if you want to translate that somewhat to today, he's sending out both the clergy and the laity. It doesn't matter. He hasn't been in his ministry long. And so in many ways, it's not like they have a deep theological understanding. He's still telling them and explaining to them that he has to die and that he'll rise again. And that eventually he would send the Holy Spirit. They still can't comprehend that. They don't understand fully what he's talking about. But he wants them to be clear on who he is. That is the most essential message.
And so he says, he actually asks, who do people say that I am? And this is only one spot that this happens in. Because there's other places too. But who do people say that I am? One of the prophets, like Elijah. One of the ancient prophets. In other places, he's the prophet of Nazareth. In another place, he's a rabbi, a teacher. All of that is well and good because in many ways it means that he's proclaiming something of significance for the people's lives. But you know the reality is during Jesus' day and actually in other days, there's a lot of different voices out there. There's prophets that people have to discern about. Are they true prophets? Are they false prophets? And teachers, teachers that are going to say different things about who God is and what that means for our lives. Just like today. So Jesus got the answer that he presumed he would get. There's all kinds of thoughts about who he is, just like today. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter says the Messiah. And that's the critical aspect of what they would go out with. That Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that was anointed to come and bring the message of salvation. To be the message of salvation. To die on a cross in our place for our sin. And the power of the resurrection to show that he has the power over sin and death. The power of the Holy Spirit, which means he can change our lives. He's the Messiah. And apart from that, there's not the power to change. As there would be with merely a teacher or a prophet. That people wouldn't be clear about. With this message that he's the Messiah, it's clear. And Paul makes the point in the reading from Galatians, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a male or a female, a slave or a free person. It doesn't matter. This message is for everyone. This message is for everyone to have your life changed This message is for everyone to take with you into the world. This message is for everyone to confront any teaching or prophet that's out there. That Jesus is the Messiah. And that's why he says, Who do people say that I am? Jesus quotes Isaiah at different times in his ministry. And he will say, you see this prophecy that's out there. Well, this is how I'm fulfilling it. The prophecies about the the miracles. How he takes scripture and he teaches and he preaches on scripture. And the crowd say, no one speaks with this kind of authority. 
how he fulfills the role of the suffering servant, the servant passages in Isaiah. How he not, is not just pointing to Scripture, he's fulfilling Scripture. How he's not just a prophet, he's fulfilling the prophecies. That's what Jesus is trying to say to them. So it's not just about him teaching. Because there's lots of teachers. Or prophesying. But coming to be that Messiah that they were looking for. And then he says, if you really understand what that means for your life, if you're really going to receive the Messiah, the one who is going to lay down his life, then you need to understand what that means for your life. That you are to take up the cross, deny yourself daily, and follow me. Now that's not something that comes natural to us, by the way. You realize that. I mean, ever since you were a baby... You were led to believe that you were the center of the world. Right? Think about how people treat babies. Everybody focuses on the baby. Everybody wants to make the baby smile. Everybody wants to take care of the baby's needs. And somehow we think that's the way it should be for the rest of our lives. And so we end up many times being self-indulgent. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, who sought to follow and fulfill the law, they also wanted the good life. In fact, that's how you showed that you were blessed by God, is by having the good life. Self-indulgent. See, we like self-indulgent. That's what comes natural. Denying ourselves? Not so much. Denying ourselves daily? You've got to be kidding. Maybe once in a while. Like maybe during Lent I'll give something up, Okay. But denying ourselves daily? Do we really understand what that means? That means that it's not about us, even though the world says that it is. It's not that everyone is there to serve us. It's the opposite. If we follow in the footsteps of Christ... It's that daily we need to empty ourselves of ourselves. That we seek Him in His Word. Of what it means to follow Him. We have this superficial idea. This glossing over in our lives. That we say, well, you know, being like Jesus. It's kind of like being nice. We really need to know what the Scripture says about what it means to follow in His footsteps. To be like Him. It doesn't mean that we need to be austere He enjoyed life. But it means that we learn what it 
what living with sacrificial love is like. It means we learn that we're not the center of the universe, but God is. That he becomes our center. That his word becomes our direction and our guide. That we can't deny ourselves the way God intends for us to and live for him daily and empty ourselves daily unless we're being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because this is supernatural. It's not natural. Natural is living for ourselves. Supernatural is denying ourselves. And this is a daily responsibility. And then he goes on to clarify. Those who seek to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Let me unpack that a little bit for you. Seeking to save my life. See, we're always holding back from following the Lord. Because we're saving ourselves. We kind of want this self-indulgent life with a little bit of Jesus on the side. That's what we really want. We want to define what life is going to be like. And we want to do our thing. And we want to live for our own pleasure and comfort. And live a pretty complacent life towards the Lord. And so we're saving ourselves. For what? For fun? For entertainment? Just in case good times and good opportunities come along? We're not losing ourselves in the Lord. Take, for example, weekends. How many people right now are saving themselves on Sunday morning by saying, it's summertime, I'll sleep in, save myself for the fun and for the family, instead of worshiping with their family? How many people sleep in during the week instead of getting up a little earlier to spend time with the Lord? Because they're saving themselves. They want to make sure they have enough energy for the day instead of being spirit-filled for the day. Instead of being transformed for the day. How many people are saving themselves in, in case something good comes along? You don't want to make a commitment to be in a small group or in a Bible study or serving the Lord, heaven forbid, because something good might come along. And if I'm committed to being at church, yuck! I might have to say no to that good thing that comes along. Or serving in the community. Or being on a mission trip or a witness for Christ. Because I want to save myself. Or I I don't want to risk stepping out and speaking for Christ out in public because I want to save myself. I don't want to be rejected. Instead of losing ourselves for Christ. Saying, I'm all in for him. Let him define the parameters of your life and your time and your talent and your treasure. 
See, we're too busy saving ourselves for something fun and something good and time with friends and family, not necessarily in worship, not necessarily in service. And we lose sight of what God's call in our lives might be. Because we don't want to deny ourselves and we want to save ourselves. And what's fascinating about that is Jesus says, if you lose yourself, that's when you're going to save it. That's when you're going to find it. The love that you're seeking out in the world, when you pour yourself into the Lord, that's when you really find this abundant love welling up in you because God is love. Jesus Christ demonstrated that on the cross. He promises the peace that passes understanding. We're looking for that peace desperately by doing all kinds of things in the world, being busy and successful, and we don't find it. We're always pursuing all these things to make us happy, and the next day we have to do it all over again when God wants to give us a deep sense of joy. See, that's finding your life because you lose it in him. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. That's what Jesus is talking about. But it begins with the question, who do you say that I am? That's what it begins with. See, because if you just think he's a teacher, you can discount what he says and the call on your life. Even if you elevate him to a prophet, you can still just put him out there with other prophets. But when you say he's the Messiah, he's the one that God sent to be your Savior and your Lord. To come in and take over your life. To be the one to set your priorities and your parameters. To learn of sacrificial love. To change you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's different. And that's why it matters. The world will tell you He's just a teacher like other ones. He's just a prophet like other ones. And that's why it's critical to answer that question. You are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world to save the world and to save me. And that we really understand commitment to lose our life in him and to learn what it means to do that daily. Who do you say that he is? Let's pray.
Lord, there are many voices in the world telling us about who Jesus is that has nothing to do with who you really are. Voices that allow us to discount your call on our lives. Voices that allow us to indulge ourselves, to live for ourselves. Lord, I pray today that you would break into our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to be clear and confident that you are the Messiah, the one that has come into the world, that went to the cross to claim our lives so that we might truly deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you to learn what it means to lose our lives in you and for you. Lord God, much as we see in movies how one person loses themselves in another, in love, how we might learn what it means to love you in such a way the first and great commandment, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to lose ourselves in you. Lord, help us to answer that question. You are the Messiah, the one that has come into the world and into our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.